You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. Biz Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Aaron Nash. He is the founder of P-Fit Fitness and Weight Nutrition. And we're pretty excited to have him on the show because he's done some pretty big things in a very short period of time. And we've got a bunch of questions to ask him. But before we bring him on, Corey and I are going to talk a little bit about scaling a business, um, which we have found to be one of the most difficult things for entrepreneurs to do. It is. And there's a, a myriad of reasons why that is that is a problem. Um, and we do not have enough time to talk about them all. But I think the most common ones are... Um, people, they don't, they don't build their business with growth in mind. They build their business for what they need right now. And they're not thinking about the future. We talk about people should build or start their business with the end in sight and the end being the eventual exit. But in this case, they need to build with the end in sight and the end being that what is your perfect future state? Is it, you know, multiple multiple brands, multiple locations, what's the employee size, like all of that. And you need to set yourself up now in order to be able to get there successfully and with a minimal minimal amount of head, headache. Man. Yeah, that was tough. That was I a know. mouthful, but you did really good. And I, I just want to, you know, acknowledge that you used the word myriad on here. That was, that's very nice. We don't use that word enough. So. We do not. So thank you for throwing that in there. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs start off, you know, they they just create a job for themselves, right? And then trying to find a way to get out of that. We've experienced it with so many entrepreneurs already where they have the desire to go from working in their business to on their business, but they don't have the motivation or the capabilities to do it. And it's one of the hardest things that we help entrepreneurs do. So I'll be curious to hear you know, the strategies that Aaron used and if he if he did this on his own or if he worked with a coach as he started to scale that business, because he did it pretty rapidly. Five years ago, the dude was a bartender and now he's got this two really successful businesses. Yeah, and the, the problem that I think, again, that a lot of people have when it comes to the, they, they create that job is that they don't want to, they either don't want to give up control, they don't know how to give up control or they can't see the benefit of paying for somebody else to do work. So when I, for example, I was in this involved in this cafe string of coffee shops here in Richmond and my partner, so I was just a minority owner in the business and my partner was just dead set on just pinching pennies everywhere we could possibly save money. And that often required me using my time to do things that I shouldn't be doing, but it on paper saved money because we were paying this much a pound versus this much a pound or whatever it was. And I tried to explain to her numerous times that the time that I spend driving to and from stores or between locations and doing all of the stuff with it, it's just like, 
it's dead time for me would make more sense if we paid a little bit more for a product to get delivered or if we ha- we paid an employee to do the work. And, and But there was no way to convince her that it made sense to pay somebody else to do the work because we could save that $10 an hour by having me do the work versus paying somebody, you know, 40 bucks a day to do that work. Whereas I could then take that, you know, let's say four hours a day and put it towards something else that would actually make money. And then that's the problem is that when you go from working in your business to wanting to go in your business on your business, when you're doing all of this extra work, you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the mind, you don't have the the energy to do the things that you need to do to grow your business. Mm -hmm. I think maybe the message there is that your time is not worth as much as you think it is. Whose time? Yours. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a reason I left that business and why it's failing now. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know. That was, a, that, was a, that was a poor attempt at humor. It okay. failed. I'm well, sorry. We need the sad trombone music there. Leave the jokes to me, all right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, I will leave the jokes to you. But, yeah, it, I, I think that one of, it's really hard when you're first starting a business to understand where, how to value time. And how do we equate that to money, right? So I know it wasn't that long ago that we had the conversation of, I think it's just time to hire an admin or get somebody to help, right? Because there were just so many small little tasks that we were doing daily that we could have easily paid somebody else to do. And, you know, now that we have Francis, the intern, like things are much different. And she takes those tasks and she handles them and we don't even really have to think about it. So got very lucky with Francis. Yeah. When I say we, I really mean me because she's for, really helping me. Thank you for acknowledging that. I was like, I don't, my life has not changed one bit. In fact, <laughs> it might have got a little more complicated. Not too much more, but <laughs> a little more complicated now. Well, um, yes. And I appreciate that you took on extra burden so that I could, we could alleviate some things off my plate. Because you said admin and I was like, oh, there's some things I'd like to unload. guess whose workload is still the same everybody (laughs) not julie's yeah that's that's fair but um so helping people to understand when um when it makes sense to bring in somebody even if it's a part-time resource or an intern paid intern whatever it is 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 a really important step in growth it it is and the it it seems like you're it, it, it seems counterintuitive because you're like, I can just do this work. It's not going to cost me any money, but it does cost you something. Everything costs something. Mm-hmm. And even at the end of the day, if you're spending, let's say, $500 a week or something just for extra time that you don't have to work. I mean, like your happiness, your well-being is worth something. And that's something that a lot of people don't they don't consider because they're like, well, that $25,000 a year, I can I can put towards whatever. No. Yes. Are you really going to put that $25,000 towards anything? Yeah. Probably not. We tend to think as entrepreneurs that it's supposed to be really long, long days and no days off and just complicated and filled with lots of like menial administrative tasks. So we're just supposed to do everything ourselves. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. That is correct. All right. Um, I think we probably should break and bring in Aaron and get started with the fun. Hey, everyone. If you're like most entrepreneurs out there, time is not something you ever seem to have enough of. We get it. There are a million things that need your attention, both in business and in your personal life. That's why we created Time Bomb. This is a self-paced course designed to help you determine what your time is worth and where you should be spending those precious hours every day. 
Right now, we have an option to buy the bundle, which also includes products designed to help you become more efficient with your time. It's a $70 deal you're getting for only an additional $30. Head on over to sbpace.com to learn more. Time Bomb, take control of your calendar, gain control of your life. All right, welcome back. We've got Aaron Nash with us out of Southwest Florida. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, Let's just start off with um, a super easy question for you. What is your entrepreneurial superpower? Um, For for me, it's probably uh, systems development and culture. Those are probably the two things that uh, people at least ask me the most questions on or respect my opinion on the most. Oh, those are great. That culture one is so important, right? And I think people tend to overlook the need and the importance of systems and processes. So um, that I think both of those are going to explain a lot about your ability to grow and scale so quickly. So I know that, you know, five years ago, you were a bartender, and now you've got some really big businesses. And so we really want to talk about that ability to grow and scale so quickly. It's one of the areas that we have seen entrepreneurs struggle with the most. And so we're really curious about how you were able to do that. Sure. Um, the, the the trick with scaling is this, and and I learned it the, the hard way, right, is it takes a lot longer than you think. So while you may say, yeah, five years ago, I was a bartender. Uh, you know, I was when I first moved down here because I moved down to Florida on May 16th. And, and what we built since then is, is what you what most people know me for now. But what they don't understand is that for three and a half years before that, I worked for uh, a, a buddy in West Michigan and I pretty much got a Ph.D. in how to open a fitness boutique from him, helping him open his first four. Uh, and then before that, about 10 years in the personal training space and, and you know, bodybuilding space and competitive space like that. So, you know, it's hard to say that we've seen such explosive growth in five years when when realistically without that base knowledge of the 15 years prior to that, we wouldn't have had the five years that we've had so far, right? And obviously in the last year and a half, um, the exponential growth that we've had just with the, the different verticals. And that's a really great point there, just that importance of experience, because a lot of people who are working some sort of nine to five corporate job and they they see the allure of being their own business owner and they think that they can just jump right into it and not having any kind of experience uh, really hinders them because they they have a hobby and they just want to turn that into a way to make money. And that is not that easy, especially if you don't have a background in in business. Yeah, well, and the, the big thing with with doing that, right, and, that, and I tell everybody, because we have so many people, especially in 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 industries where there's a low barrier of entry, right? So, so owning a gym, there, there's really, you know, you don't have to have a degree to do it. You don't even really have to have a certification to do it. You can just open a gym, and, and that's really all you need to do, right? So uh, the hard part with low barrier entry businesses is a lot of people will see what we do and see our success, and then they'll just go try to open a gym. And, and then obviously it just goes to absolute hell and it doesn't work very well for them. And the reason is obviously is, is, is all of the information, all of the mistakes that we've made over, along the way that allows us now to be so efficient and effective at how we do it, right? So the reason that we're able to open so many across the country and you know, even, even yesterday, I drove up to St. Pete to look at one of our locations that we're gonna be opening up and uh, with one of our franchisees and we met with the general contractor. We had my wife there for all the branding. We had me there for all the build out. 
And then by the time we got home, got everything put into our our systems, built everything out for them. We almost built them an entire plan of, of everything they need to do in the next 12 weeks to open. We already had their marketing team set up. Uh, and so it was a very, you know, it was crazy to me. I was like, okay, in 24 hours, I can almost set you up to open a complete business. You know what I mean? Literally from here's the equipment you need to buy. Here's how the bill is going to work. Here's your contractor. Here's your marketing. Here's your opening marketing strategy. Uh, you know, here's your Indeed ads. Here's how we're going to hire. Here's how we're going to get people. Here's how we're going to build the culture. And then this is what's going to happen from day one, two, three, four, five, right? So it's already all done. And that's what I think people don't understand is it's taken me, you know, essentially 11 years to figure out how to do this in 11 hours, right? And, and people just don't understand that. They think, oh, I'm going to grow and I'm going to scale this thing so quick. And the problem is all the all the little dirty jobs are what really give you the experience to be able to do things a lot faster, right? And, and I think that's what a lot of people miss is when you've been a personal trainer, you understand what the crappy parts about the job are, right? So when you're developing jobs for employees and, and for your team, you already know what the stuff is that they hate about the job because you've done the job. So it's very easy to develop a better job when you can kind of combat the pain points of that job. And I think a lot of people miss that, right? Is they think, oh, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to build this and I'm going to do this. Well, the problem is there's so many nuances that people miss from just going through the experience of doing it that they completely miss out on. And that's really where the magic is, is in those tiny little nuances where people can relate to you, right? And, and other coaches can relate to you and clients can relate to you and, and the conversations that you have with your employees and with clients based on those years of experience can really shrink the time frame that it takes to be effective. And I, I think that that's the one thing that people miss today is they see, you know, like if you look at me and you've only been following me for the, the past probably 18 months or maybe since COVID, right? Like, and that's really when you found me, you would look at what I did and you'd be like, dude, that dude's just exploding. Um, when in reality, it has nothing to do with that. That was just all groundwork of 15 years of work in an industry and understanding pain points in an industry and how do we solve problems that have been rampant for over a decade, right? And that's really all we're doing. And that's all any business really is doing, right? Is what problem are we solving for what exact person and how can we replicate that over and over and over again? Yeah. It's almost like you've built a, a business in a box, if you will, for opening up the, the gym locations, right? You've made it really, really easy for anybody to buy into your franchise and get be set up for success. And I think a lot of people miss that, how repeatable some of the stuff is that we do once you know how to do it. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, that's the only reason we opened our fourth location that we own corporately, right? Is, is or I own personally, I shouldn't say corporately, it's, it's one person. So uh, we opened it for two reasons. One was we wanted to make sure that all of the processes when we opened a gym that we were really dialed in on it, right? We had done it three times, we'd gotten better every time, but we really wanted to make sure that we went back to day zero of our mindset when we opened is what are, what am I doing subconsciously? Cause I've done this so many times now that I'm going to miss and not tell them. So we tried to write everything down, try to get every little detail of, Oh, they're going to need this license. They're going to need to do this. They're going to work with the contractor on this. They're going to need to order equipment this far out. They're going to need to call this person, this person, and this person to make sure there's no red flags when it comes to flooring and all, you know what I mean? Just a million things that can red flag your business in the efficiency of an opening. Right. And then on top of it, we also wanted to open a gym during COVID mainly just for the story, right? The <laughs> legacy story of, yeah. you know, while everyone else was shutting down our industry, we actually opened one. And, and, you know, it was a legacy thing for me and my team. 
you know, even still when I say it, I get goosebumps just because we know the power of what that's going to mean in 10 years. Yeah. I, you know, I love that because, um, well, just the, the fact that, you know, you were able to document and write everything down because Corey's getting ready to, um, open a restaurant. So in addition to SB Pace, he's launching a restaurant and his goal is to have multiple restaurants. Right. And so, a couple of weeks ago, he was like, Julie, we just need to like document everything so that it's this easily repeatable process. So you can open and open and open. And he's opened several restaurants in the past. So it's a little bit easier for him to do this one right now that he's doing. But understanding that value of what's repeatable, what lessons did we learn the hard way and, and what can we do to avoid that in the future so that we can get up and running faster and be successful faster. Thank you, Julie. Yeah. You're welcome. Did I just <laughs> well, steal your thunder? And I think with that, though, I think one of the cool things is when you've been in, when you've been what I like to call an operator in a business, right? So when you've washed the dishes, when you've been the bartender, when you've been the server, when you've been the busboy, when you've done all these things, like, and you get good at all the processes, you know what to do when you get to day one, right? So the hard part is, well, how do I get from day zero to day one? And then once you figure that out, well, now you really know the systems and you really can start to get some momentum behind it because as somebody, you know, like I was in that industry forever. Like I, I love food services where I grew up. So uh, for me, that was just second nature, but really seeing, you know, when I was helping my buddy open gyms, day one, I knew what to do when I got to day one, if I could figure out how to get open and get butts in the seats, I knew exactly what I needed to do to be successful. Cause I had done it repeatedly, but that huge learning curve is where most people screw up businesses, especially if it's your first business because there's so many things that can go wrong. There's so many things that you don't know that you need as far as with the cities and with permitting and with, you know, like, and there's always a government agency that wants 17 years of your life for every single thing you do. Right. And, and that's every industry. And people just don't understand that. And food service is no different than gyms is no different than anything. There's always people who are going to take their chunk out of you before you can get open. And that's just part of the thing that a lot of people screw up. And what I've seen, at least in my experience, is there's so many great people who really want to start businesses and really want to kind of do their own thing. Where they screw up is that day zero to day one thing. Like they've gone in, they know the work, they know the processes, they know the systems, but they don't have any idea how to negotiate a lease. They don't have any idea how long it actually takes to get the licensing and the permitting and everything else that you need. They have no idea what it takes to actually run some type of opening event. They have no idea about how marketing actually works besides they think posting on social media is marketing, right? Like there's, there's a million things that they could do that are actually going to kill their business before they even get open and they just don't know it yet. Right. So for us, you know, when we went to build systems and we opened our second location, that was probably our biggest realization was we opened it on ego, right? We had, we were literally were full at our first location. We were turning people away because we had no more room. So we opened up the second one just on ego and we found out that we needed systems very, very quickly because I can't be in two places at once. So we sat down, my team and I sat down and we said, okay, if we're going to build this for two, let's build it for 2000, right? Because if, we, if we're going to make this thing repeatable, let's make it so damn simple that, hey, if somebody came to us with a hundred million dollar check and said, hey, we want a thousand of these tomorrow, all I literally have to say is, okay, where's your check? Right. Like I flip a switch and you can have your thousand. So that was our ultimate goal is, hey, if we're going to go through the process and the bullshit to open a thousand or to open two of these, we might as well do it so that we could open 200 of them. Right. So let's make sure every single part of this 
is systematic and we make it simpler and simpler and simpler. And I think that's where a lot of times some businesses screw up too, is they try to make their systems as they get bigger, more complicated instead of simpler, right? So when we go through programs, when we go through systems, when we go through onboarding, when we go through marketing, when we go through hiring, when we go through core values, when we go through any of this stuff that you hear, our, our number one question isn't, is it there? It's, hey, we have this right now. What can we cut out of this to make this simple? Like, can we make this a one, two, or three-step process so that they're going to get 85% of what we need them to get out of it and be able to understand it? Because the problem is when you're trying to teach someone how to do stuff, right, is it's like drinking from a fire hose and people aren't going to remember it all. So how do you make it bite-sized chunks, common sense stuff, easy to understand, and then instantly repeatable so that you can, I mean, because I work with personal trainers. We're not known for being the smartest group of humans, right? Like, that's just not what we're known for. So I have to make my shit really simple for the people who I work with because I used to be one of them. And I know if it's complicated for me, it's definitely complicated for them. So when we go through systems, it's always, how do we make this easier? How do we make this easier? How do we make this easier? Instead of, oh, let's just add something for no reason and add complexity to it, right? Because then it becomes less repeatable when you're looking at that person who wants to buy 2000 or 200, right? Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that approach because so many people, they don't stop to take the, and take the time to walk through what they did and how they can make their lives easier. They just deal with it, they deal with it, it compounds, and then things start slipping. And that's such an important piece, especially when you want to grow, is creating those systems and making things simple. Because uh, same thing with me being in the restaurant industry, like it, it, we're comprised of a bunch of underachievers and fuck-ups. Like that's the majority of my staff. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. He's not talking about me. Yeah, I'm sorry, but, that, but that's but that's the majority of the people who you work with, and the things, the more things that you can simplify, the easier it is, so that you don't have to be there doing that work. But what I really want to get into is that I know that you've built uh, your business uh, debt free, so you've been able to bootstrap this thing uh, yourself. And I'm curious as to why uh, you chose to do that, because I come from the school of thought that it's better to spend somebody else's money. So, yeah. And I have a lot of friends who do that. Um, you know, a majority of my friends actually will either spend other people's money or play the interest rate games, right? Like if I can borrow at three and make it at 11, I can take the eight. Uh, you know, and I know a lot of people who make a lot of money doing that. That's totally fine. I, I grew up, uh, I, my, my mom didn't have any money. When I was in college, I was, you know, sleeping in my car at several nights. I was renting rooms for like 200 bucks. Um, I just came from, you know, I never wanted to be in that position. Um, so for me, when I made money, I, I had a very terrible relationship with it, right? Like I was worried it was going to leave me. And so I've, I've just been of the, and I've also seen people get burned the other way as well, where they tried to grow too fast. And I, I think that doing it my way keeps you a little bit more humble um, because it, it really handicaps you to the process as long as you can't afford it. Right. And it, and it makes you really have to be budget conscious, right? Like there's a, like probably one of the things that um, my friends now respect about me the most is my financial intelligence. Uh, when it comes to my P and L's, my balance sheets, my uh, how I use credit cards, how we, you know, how we balance everything and how we save cash and how we manage our cash flow. Uh, that's something that everybody I talked to is like, man, I wish I was as good as that as you are. And honestly, I, I was really bad at it. So I just read book after book, after book, after book, after book. And, and the whole point of me staying and doing it the way that I've done it is I feel like if I've earned the cash to be able to do it, 
it puts me in a little bit better situation, right? I'm not worried about the bill that comes from borrowing and hoping that I'm right. Um, and also it allows me to scale jobs as the money allows, right? So this is the other side that, especially as we're franchising that I'm doing right now with my guys is because I have so many great people who want to move up and do different things inside of the business as the business can afford it, we can slowly transition them into their full-time job, but then they have extra jobs as we transition them into a different job. But it only happens as the winning happens in the business, right? So if the business can't afford, like there might be a job that's super available when we have 25 locations open, right? But if we're at five, well, it doesn't make sense to spend that salary because that money's not there to do it. Now, could I go out and leverage a couple hundred G's and, and make it a, a no problem thing? Absolutely, I could. But the problem is, is what if I make that job, I make that career, it's a great person. And then in a couple months, as we start scaling that job and they start creating it with me, we realize that it's not necessary or we realize it's not as valuable as it should be. Or we realize that, hey, this person just isn't on the right seat on the bus. And I don't want them off the bus. I just need them in the right damn seat, right? So what this allows us to do is be a lot more pliable with our people and allows us to give more people opportunity to try different things without committing them to something that may not be there in the long term. So like, I will give you an example though, is when we opened our supplement company, because uh, we rebranded and redid everything during COVID, right? And um, supplements in order to work with the, the, the guys that I work with now in the supplement game is, is your order quantity minimums have to be massive, right? So it was a, you know, almost a $200,000 investment pretty much from zero to, to opening day uh, to get everything in stock, all the labels, all the branding, all the meetings, all the flying, all everything, right? And I did borrow money to do that. And, but the only reason I didn't have to, right? The only reason I borrowed money to do that was because we were in COVID and my gyms were shut down at the time. And I thought it was a poor use of cash to spend that. And we hadn't had a single PPP loan come in yet, right? So it was just a very poor time to drop 150 Gs out of your bank account when your employees are hoping they can eat, right? So I chose to borrow against myself. So I have enough money in my, my uh, one of my retirement accounts, I can borrow up against it. So I borrowed 120,000 against myself and I ended up keeping it for about six or seven months before paying it back. So I paid like 1.4% interest. Was it worth it for me to pay, you know, 1200, 1500, 1800 bucks, whatever it is to borrow that money for six months, hundred percent it was totally. So I totally agree with that side of the argument. Just for me, I feel way better knowing that my businesses are completely debt free. And to be honest, if, if your goal is to exit someday, your businesses should be debt. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't really have a ton of overhanging that you have to, well, I got to pay this guy and 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 this guy. And then I'm left with this and then I got to pay taxes on that. Right. So one of the other things too, is it just depends on what your end goal is with, with each different company as well. Right. If, if your goal is just to grow it as fast as you can sell it in a couple of years and hope that it works. Well, cool. Yeah. Leveraging your money might be a way better idea. If you're trying to build something that you're going to have for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, um, you know, in my personal experience, I just sleep better at night. And I've seen guys who make 5 million a year who are leveraged five and a half. Uh, to me, that would be the most stressful thing on earth, right? Like I, you know, I get credit card bills now that are a hundred grand, uh, in a month and I'm just freaking out. Right. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like knowing that, oh yeah, our companies are bringing in 5 million, but I'm leveraged at five and a half. Like that's mind blowing to me. Like it would cause me more anxiety than it would, uh, protection and, and, and safety. And, and that's also the reason that we charge our clients monthly and we don't do discounts on paid and fulls 
is I know on the first of the month how much money is going to come in so I can budget every month accordingly. Right. So I, I'm just very old school and conservative when it comes to financial. But again, that other way, I've seen a ton of guys win and win really big doing that. Um, again, it's just a risk reward thing. And I think it's just a personal, personal problem or preference, not problem. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's what it boils down to because you can grow, you can grow either way. You can grow using debt. You can grow just using your own cash. And it, it really boils down to what your level of risk is, you know, what your, uh, how comfortable you are with risk and, and you know, what you want for your business. And, and uh, yeah, so that's just a personal. Yeah, the, well, and the slippery slope there is I, I think ego, right? I think as long as you come at that from a place of complete humility, um, I think you're fine. I think it's when that ego gets involved. So, no, I'm right. And I'm going to borrow another hundred grand to prove it. Right. Even though the money might tell you, I might not be right on this and I should probably pivot. You, you know, that's the only thing is when you, when you know you have access to the funds, that's where you know, that ego can really come into play sometimes. And I feel like there's some guys who get beaten by that really, really bad. So I feel like as long as you come from it with a, a sense of humility and you're using someone else's money and you need to be a good steward of their money, because I think that's, you know, that's really what you're doing is you're using someone else's money to leverage your money. And, and as long as you come at it from a place of I need to be a good steward with this person's money, um, you know, I think that that would be. The, the, the only way you should approach it. And that's honestly one of the reasons that I'm so uh, invested in my franchisees and so picky with them is because they're trusting me that they're going to give me X and I'm going to help them turn it into Y, Z, P, D, Q, right? Like, like that's the goal. But, you know, so, so that's one of the things I take very, very seriously is when people trust me with an investment, I want to make sure that the returns mathematically are great uh, on every front, because I want them to, you know, in a couple of years when they're all open and hopefully doing really, really, really well, I want them to tell all their friends what they're doing. Right. Cause that's really when you'll see growth. Like what we've done right now is great, but imagine that with 25 locations that are sold and another 50 that we're working on. Imagine that with 75 open and another 200 that we're working on. And then those 75 are crushing instead of the majority of our industry, which is, you know, 15% are making money of all these franchise, like it, it's just, and the other 85 are crap because there's no support, there's no systems, there's no anything else, right? So that's my goal. And, and that's one of the things that I look at very, very differently is if people entrust me with their money, it's just another ball game. I don't mind if I lose my money, right? Like, yeah. you know, if, if I if I gamble like John Rahm, if John Rahm wins the tournament this year or, you know, on Sunday at the US Open, I'm up, I'm up a couple Gs. If he doesn't, I'm on a couple hundred bucks, right? Like it, I don't mind, but- if it's somebody else's money, I don't want to gamble with that. I want to take out as much of that as I can. Yeah, we like to gamble too. Yeah, well, <laughs> was, you were talking about. You were speaking to our heart there. <laughs> yeah, when, when you were saying, "Oh, you know, I'll take out a hundred and that didn't work. I'm going to bet on myself. Take out another hundred. I was like, "That's what we call chasing the money." Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, this was so great. We need to wrap up, but I um, honestly, one of the topics that I really wanted to touch on. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe we can convince you to come back. Is I want to talk about your marketing strategy because. It is unlike anything I've ever seen before in the way that you market. And I do not want to wrap up this podcast without first telling you that Corey and I both use your products. And um, Corey actually ordered some um, for his brother as well. And I had told him it was a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, yo, you got to order this weekend for Jesse because Aaron does the craziest things on the weekends where he's just throwing in like random products and money. He throws in cash. So we actually yeah. took the cash you threw into that order and bought lottery tickets with it. <laughs> 
Good. No, um, marketing is honestly, I can't take credit for that one. Uh, I actually copied Sean Whalen on that one. I saw him do a post a while back, like about eight months ago where he was drop, like he had like a bunch of boxes of his t-shirts open. Right. And he was going to sell them. And he took like, like a bunch of like ones and like there's a 20 and a 10 in there. And he just like threw them up in the air and like whatever landed in the box is what you got. So I was like, well, dude, why don't I just take that instead of, you know, like if you tell people, Hey, I'm going to give you 10% off your order, 5% off or 20% off, like people will buy, but I was like, why don't I just give them cash and they can do whatever the hell they want with it. And it worked really well. Uh, when I do that, people like, it's, it's crazy to me that that works because it's essentially the same thing. It's just a different spin on how to do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I actually, I saw that initial idea and my brain went, okay, there's, there's something there because it had to have worked because that's crazy that you would just put money in an order. Um, and so that's kind of where that started. But yeah, anytime you want to talk about marketing, marketing is fun for me. That's It's great. It's a great concept. Um, and I will say I watched, um, a, I don't know, it's been a couple of months now. You had posted a video about like three different types of protein powder, right? And it was, I can't remember the first one, but I know the second one was first form and then it was yours. And you talked about the different way that they're processed. And you referred to your protein powder. Now this might not be verbatim, but it was very close. It's basically the fat kid protein powder where it's just like so delicious and reduces cravings for sweets. And I was like, fuck, I need to get me some of that because I love sugar at night. I love sweets at night. And it is your your protein powder is the best tasting protein powder I've ever had. So that's what we wanted, right? So there's so many guys who are like, ours is the cleanest and ours is organic and ours is the best digestible. And I was like, yeah, but it kind of all tastes like cardboard. You know what I mean? I'm like, if I want something late at night, cause I'm a fat kid at heart, right? Like I've gone on a five day cruise and gained 23 pounds before. Like I can do it. I promise <laughs> you I'm a big kid when I want to be. So like we were sitting there and I was like, what do most people, especially my clients, right? Cause I deal with the fat loss industry. That's what I deal with. And I was like, what do most people really struggle with? And I was like, dude, it, it ain't the digestion process of their protein more than likely it's, it tastes like garbage and they got to put it in a shake and then put peanut butter and milk and all kinds of other stuff in it to make it taste somewhat. Okay. Why can't we just give them something that tastes amazing right out of the, right out of the thing they just scoop it, throw a little bit of unsweetened almond milk in there, and it legitimately tastes like a milkshake, right? And that's what we wanted to accomplish. So, uh, you know, we we switched some things up. We switched some fat sources up. So we, we didn't want to do a ton of artificial sweeteners. So we put coconut oil in there to make it a little bit sweeter and to, and to still keep that fat content in there. That's what makes it so creamy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's was, that was really the goal of the protein, right? As everybody else is really good at everything, but we wanted to be you know, that fat kid dessert at night protein, right? Like that's what we struggle with. That's what I struggle with. That's what most people I know is when they have a late night craving, it ain't for chicken and broccoli, right? (laughs) It's for Skittles and chocolate. So how do we make something that tastes like a chocolate milkshake or that tastes like the bowl at the bottom of your fruity pebbles, or that tastes like a bowl of vanilla ice cream. So like our new flavor, and I'll I'll announce it here, I guess you guys can have this. Uh, It won't come out for a few months, but like we figured out cookie dough and I'm not kidding you. It tastes just like that. Like when I was a kid, you go to Walmart and you'd buy the refrigerated cookie dough that they tell you not to eat anyway, but you eat it because it's cookie dough, right? Like it tastes just like that. And I'm so excited for it. So everything that we come out with, it has to be like, we really want it to taste good because it doesn't have to taste like crap to be healthy. And I think that's what most people, they're like, oh, it's healthy. And there's like this stigma that healthy has to be no flavor. 
In reality, it's way healthier to grab a protein shake than grab a chocolate shake. It's way healthier to grab that vanilla ice cream uh, shake than to grab the vanilla ice cream. So we just want to help people make healthier conscious choices. Great. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on our show, Aaron. Can you tell our listeners um, how they can find you, how they can find your products or anything special that you want to talk about and let our listeners know? Yeah, sure. So um, all of our products for, for supplements and any new products that we have come out, we have a blog, we have free coaching, we have all that stuff is just weightnutrition.com. So W-A-Y-T, um, just don't misspell it and you'll be fine, weightnutrition.com. And that's that's the majority of all that. If you if you follow me, understand I'm really not the easiest guy to follow on social media. Uh, people either really, really love me or they really, 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 really don't because um, I'm very opinionated in what I say. So if you do... Aaron Nash 20. If you don't like me, I, I do really apologize. I hope it doesn't represent my company's wrong. Uh, my employees are all really great people. They don't all agree with me either, but we're on one mission and that's to actually help people get healthier. And I think right now in our country, that's probably the biggest problem is there's way too many unhealthy people and they don't know how to actually get healthy. They think wearing something on your face and putting something in your arm is better than what you eat and moving your ass. So our company is committed to that and everything that we do is from a standpoint of curing obesity. That is our goal and our mission in all of our companies. So if you struggle with with fat loss or you struggle with not knowing what to do, we'll gladly help you. That's what we're here for. Great. Thank you so much, Aaron. And thanks to our listeners. You can find everything about Aaron's companies in the show notes. And I cannot recommend enough. Try his products. They are so good. And you can connect with us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a YouTube channel and everything that you would ever need to know about us, you can find on our website, sbpace.com. And you should subscribe to our podcast, like us, and give us a review because we are lovers of feedback. Also, reach out to us about any topics that you want to hear about, or if you would like us to get a guest back on the show, let us know. And if you haven't already, go buy our book, Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon. We have a digital workbook download. And if you have purchased it, go out to Amazon, like it, and give us a review. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.